sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. This is Pablito, and I am back with my buddy, Rob Chenoweth. What's up, bud? Hey, what's going on, friend? I am so glad to be doing this uh, recording with you again. I was thinking, I know we were talking since our last recording, and I was curious if you wanted to share um, anything to our listeners about what are we doing here? (laughs) Great question. Um, You are all familiar with our good friends, Nate and Aaron, um, I know this is in December, and I'm pretty certain they are still walking the path across England. They <laughs> started in June. They will make it back eventually. <laughs> they started in June, and and uh, I think they stop for uh, a pint every once in a while. That's taking a while, and and they may walk every a nautical mile. <laughs> they may they walk back from England. Walk a little slower than they did 20 years ago. So. Uh, but no, we're, we're honored to be with you all today, um, just helping get caught up on some old podcasts, and and great to be with you personally, Pablo. Absolutely. So we're honored, like Rob said, to be doing that, and I am honored to have a special uh, person, special friend, special brother, not only in the same zip code as me, but in the same dwelling place. You are in my home, my town. Um, Rob, I'm just curious. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to to travel over and um, spend some time with you. It's been awesome. What has been the last 24, 28 hours that we've been together? What has been your greatest takeaway, your favorite experience? <laughs> I first of all, thank you for hosting, letting me part be part of your life, not just for the last four years, but um, intruding, crash surfing, or couch surfing. Um, and really letting me just be part of, of who you are as a person and what you do every day. It's been, it's been really fun. Um, and let's, for all the listeners, Whittier, California is a destination spot. I think it should be Samson house number two. Uh, so once Nate expands, (laughs) we should put another Samson house out here in Southern Cal. But my favorite part so far has just been spending time with you. I got to meet uh, your good friend, Christian, which was amazing. I had a food list, believe it or not. Um, we, have been, <laughs> How'd that go? we have been checking the boxes. Amazing. The food is amazing. We've had two burritos in two days. <laughs> burrito, a dinner burrito. And and when I got back on Instagram uh, about a year and a half ago, one of the first feeds that came in was this pizza, like a, a, a pizza reel, a reel of uh, a business making pizza. And it was in Southern California. I do you remember I immediately sent you a link and I said, we are going here if I ever make it to your area. Oh and, yeah, I remember. And so we went tonight. Like so so advertising in North Carolina influenced me to find a pizza joint in Southern California. The experience was amazing. Pizza was eh, so so. I wouldn't go back, right? I agree. It was definitely not. The best pizza neither either one of us has eaten. You talk a lot about Godfather's pizza, <laughs> which I've never had. So I look forward to having that. And you can ask me about that like you did with Whataburger last time. But uh, and I was asking you the differences. But you know, let's go back to the burrito. How was the burrito last night? Uh, you mean the uh, Gwen Stefani burrito? Yeah, the Gwen Stefani Hollenbach uh, burrito. Hollenbach. Emmanuel's Tepayak. <laughs> It was really good. It was the size of your head and my head combined. Like it was like an eight pound burrito. Chile verde. Yeah, it was amazing. Come on. The local um the local flavors have been amazing. I, I, I you know this. Like the minute I got here, I decided I wanted to move here. So um so I'm actively looking for places to live. Because it, it actually wasn't what? Yeah. Uh concrete jungle that you had pictured you pictured it with there's actually a few trees in this town beautiful it's It's not north carolina trees but it is there are trees that grow a beautiful charming quaint local um we did local food we did the uh the town parade to christmas parade today together which that was was fun 
a blast being around your community, uh, being around people. We went to an amazing coffee shop today. I met the owner. Spent what? What did we spend? About twenty minutes talking to the owner about the culture he's building and you know how he makes it as a small business owner. That was fun. Um, weather, cool. of course, is genius and perfect. I think this is a great scooter, electric scooter, electric skateboard town. By the way, I think right. I could definitely dominate here with my electric skateboard, and uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to uh, to couch surf for about six straight months while I figure out where to live. Absolutely love it. Well. The Quakers did a good job founding Whittier in 1887 or whatever it was, right? So we're grateful for the, our, the heritage. All right. It's been great. Um, we're, without any further ado, we're going to head over to Nate interviewing Sam Sirio. And we'll be back on the Pirate Monk podcast. You know, listening to podcasts like this one is certainly helpful to your recovery. And so are the many books that we recommend. But recovery is not something that any of us can do by independent study. None of us can recover alone. We heal in relationship. So it's crucially important for you to find a recovery community, a Samson Society group, or a Pure Desire group, or a Celebrate Recovery or other 12-step program somewhere where you can bring your real self and say the real truth. And there's another resource that you can draw on, one that's been extremely helpful to me over the years. In those times when my recovery has plateaued or when I've gotten stuck or I've started to lose ground, I've found that there's nothing like time with a highly skilled, well-trained therapist or recovery coach to get me moving again. Now, sometimes that's taken the form of a weekly counseling appointment At other times, it's meant attending a week-long or a weekend intensive. If you're ready to take a dramatic step forward in your recovery, let me suggest LifeWorks Christian Counseling. Uh, These are good folks. The Hunters and their staff get addiction. They understand trauma, and their approach is both biblically and scientifically sound. They work with individuals and couples, They're based in Madison, Mississippi, but they can work with you anywhere, remotely, through Zoom. And at various times throughout the year, they also run weekend intensives for Samson guys. To learn more, go to lifeworks.ms. That's lifeworks.ms. Or give them a call at 601-790-0583. Well, welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, we are privileged to have with us this week as our guest, Dr. Sam Serio. Uh, he is uh, an, an author, a speaker, uh, the author of a highly regarded book called Sensitive Preaching for the Sexually Hurting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he, he has a heart for uh, the healing of men and women injured in multiple ways by our highly sexualized society. Welcome, Dr. Sam. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. What we really like to do uh, is allow our listeners to get to know our guests on a personal level up front. So if you don't mind, would you give us kind of a, a kind of rewind the story a little bit and tell us how you happened into this field? What's the backstory? What gets you here? I was in seminary. This is back in the late 70s, giving my mm-hmm. age away a little bit. One of my seminary professors said in class one day, I still remember it. Hey, I want everybody here to be an expert in one book of the Bible and one topic in society. Mm. So I thought, that sounds pretty good. I was young, and I took all advice. So I chose the book of Ephesians to be my topic, my book that I would study and know a whole bunch about. Mm-hmm. And then I chose the topic of abortion. It was a big deal, but I mean, it's always a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a hot topic then. Yeah, so I became yeah. a pro-life speaker. Mm-hmm. And I, between adding, you know, when you combine guilt and gore and God, I was doing pretty good. I would give some pretty rousing messages to ladies, you know, don't yeah. do it. Don't do yeah. it. Don't do yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. as I did these messages, 
ladies would come up to me afterwards privately and say, I've already done it. Yeah. Is there any healing, any hope, any forgiveness? I, I feel horrible. I feel worse now because of your message. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I didn't know what to say to them. I was mm-hmm. so big on truth that I had forgotten grace. Like most yeah. pastors today. Yeah, sure. Most preachers today, when it comes to sexual topics, it's it's what they consider truth, but not grace. So yeah. I went back to the drawing board and changed my message around and added so that when I added more grace, so that in future messages, as I gave them being a pro life speaker, I never ever talked about abortion ever since then without knowing that some of you have already done this. Some of the people mm-hmm. who are listening to me, you've already gone there, been there, done that. So as I gave those kind of messages that were more invitational rather than condemnational, yeah, yeah, ladies uh, would then come up to me afterwards mm-hmm. and stories of being raped and being molested and yeah. with their husbands involved in porn and all sorts of stories. And I didn't sign up for that, you know, Nate. I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up for that topic. So then I, um, when I did my doctorate and we had to write a book, I said to my advisor, you know. Jay, you are, this is going to be a big deal in the future because I would always ask these people, hey, have you ever talked to your pastor or your priest about these sadnesses, about these secrets? And this is a big deal. You know, it really hurts you and what's been done to you or sometimes by you. You know, you ever talk to somebody, you know, um, with, your, with your church? And everybody would say to me, you've got to be kidding me. I would never in a million yeah. years. Talk yeah, yeah. To my pastor or priest about this these sexual topics, they were just gonna yell at me like they do from the pulpit. Yeah, right. So yeah. I thought there needs to be a book written to help pastors and ministry leaders and Christian counselors to be competent and compassionate about seven different sexual topics. I call them hurts and habits. Yeah. Today, of which pornography is one, but sexless marriage, mm-hmm. abortion, yeah. uh, rape, child molestation. Uh, LGBTQ, uh, casual mm-hmm. sex lifestyle, and uh, so there's. You know, I dealt with all seven topics because I got thrust into all seven of them. So I'm glad that the book was awarded best ministry book of the year, and I now want to help pastors um, to do a better job. You know, God's mm-hmm. the expert when it comes to sexual hurts and habits. He's the one that can fix people the best, change people, mm-hmm. and um, so I do a lot of counseling. A lot mm-hmm. of counseling, but I also try to help pastors and churches to do a better job in ministering to people that the church usually ignores. Sure, sure, sure. Well, uh, I love pastors. I've been a pastor myself uh, briefly for five years. So. Uh, and I know that these uh, sexual topics, I have sympathy for pastors. It's difficult to address these. And I think they're, from my personal experience, there are, I think there are probably multiple reasons why pastors tend to avoid them. Uh, it, perhaps they're dealing with something in that category themselves. And if you open the topic, then maybe they're going to be open to questions or accusation or that kind of thing. You, you probably can speak to this uh, more competently than I can. Why is it so difficult for pastors to uh, address sexual topics from the pulpit and to do so in a caring, invitational, uh, empathetic, compassionate way. I want pastors to not talk about these topics, but the purpose is ministry to people, not controversy about topics. So when, if you were to gauge and word and choose tone and Mm -hmm. word that shows I'm here to help people, that, yeah. that suffer from the that are sad about the abortion that they insisted that their girlfriend had, or mm-hmm. are sad or feel humiliated about the rape that they had many years ago. It's completely messed up. The so it's always about the emotions that are felt, not the topic. So I, ah. I people never talk about the topic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but when you're right. talking about anger, my goodness, there's so much you can bring in here. I know you might be angry that your husband at night doesn't want to have sex with you. I know you might be angry at the father who did this to you. I know you know you might be angry at your husband because he's doing porn. There could be so bringing in 
when you're talking in normal messages about all sorts of emotions and all sorts right, of right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. sexual topics, but emotional, that you can easily bring in all the feelings, all the emotions that are mm-hmm. felt. So you don't talk yeah. about the time. So you get in, you soften your voice, mm-hmm. you get out. So that people who listen will say, oh my goodness, I could maybe talk to him about that. He's not going to yell at me. He gets it. He understands. Yeah. I heard somebody actually talk about And so if you can invite people, you know, mm-hmm. by and by understanding, being competent and compassionate, you'd be amazed at the amount of hurt that's out there. But we just, yeah. you know, we just, because people don't come to us, we assume it doesn't exist. Well, they don't come to us because of the way we preach. It's our right, fault. Sure. It's sure. our fault. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing is not there. Why I kid, I, well, I don't kid, but it, one of the theses of my book is that the world knows the problem, but not the solution. Mm-hmm. The church mm-hmm. knows the solution, but not the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, hopefully, wow. Hopefully, we're yeah. going to change that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, did you see uh, the response to your speaking change dramatically when you changed tactics or, or when you changed your approach? And if so, how, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had people, you know, from my, I have a website called healingsexualhurt.com mm-hmm. where people, you know, and it's written in an invitational way. Mm-hmm. And it talks about these seven different topics of sexist yeah. marriage and abortion and pornography, all seven of them. And the way it's worded where I'll, I'll get people from all around the world saying, wow, like, like you're pretty real and pretty raw and nothing surprises you. Nothing. You're, you're not embarrassed to talk about anything. And I'm not. Because mm-hmm. God's not. God talks about rape in the Bible. He talks about LGBTQ. He talks about sexless marriage. He talks about all seven of these topics. Mm-hmm. So, so why should we be embarrassed when God is not? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the approach is um, you would just be amazed when people see that you're approachable. Right. And and, the, and for some preachers, you got to change the tone of your voice. You know, you got to get away from that pulpit. You got to start reading that manuscript. Right, you know, right. Because you're dealing with people's deepest and darkest hurts. Yeah, their yeah. Deepest, and, they're, and they don't give those up to anybody. Right. So you got to kind of earn it, you know, yeah. by the way, by what you say and how yeah. you say it. So in the book, I have a whole chapter on on the birds and the bees in the Bible, which is how God talks about these topics. So you've got mm-hmm. perfect, you have a green light, yellow light, but no red light. You've mm-hmm. got a yellow light, go for it. And also, you know, things to be mindful in terms of, as you're giving these types of messages, that the way you present uh, can make a world of difference. You need to, ch- so there's, it's, that's one of the chapters in the book as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, I do know that uh, among our, I don't know, 15,000 members of the Samson Society, there is a significant percentage of uh, Christian professionals, pastors, missionaries, people who are in one form or another of, you know, full-time mm-hmm. uh, salaried Christian service. Uh, but they're not in the majority. We also have an awful lot of guys who uh, wonder about how, here's the thing. Uh, you know, I experienced this amazing freedom when I found a safe place to disclose what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I found people who would not condemn me. <laughs> of, you know, okay. It was absolutely revolutionary. The healing began. And I wanted to, I wanted to give that freedom away. I wanted to, I wanted to tell people. My wife was terrified that if I got specific uh, in anything I said publicly or while teaching a Sunday school class, you know, uh, about the nature of my addiction or where I'd gone sexually, that, you know, people would people would uh, disown us or they'd run away or, you know, we'd lose friends or they'd pull their children away from me because they'd be afraid that I was some kind of pervert or pedophile. Right. Uh, and, and, and it took several years for Allie to lose that fear. Now, when I finally did say out loud in front of a group of people, uh, talk explicitly, well, not explicitly, but at least name, you know, that I had been addicted to pornography and pornography had dragged me into adultery. Um, the opposite of what we expected happened. Hmm. People did run, but they ran at us. And since then, you know, we have been, you know, pretty much magnetic 
all kinds of people coming to us all the time. And I know that I can make myself safe with some self-disclosure. I know that that's something that most pastors can't do. <laughs> they can't do a lot of self-disclosure without putting their pulpit and their family in, at peril. That's a that's a hard truth, but it's. I, do you agree that that's true? It's, yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that if anybody in this universe should not be surprised at the addiction, yeah, the, the word addiction, number one, yeah. because God tells us that anything you do can be addictive. Right. So yeah. If anybody should not be surprised about the temptation of porn, it's the Christian. It's the pastor. <laughs> yeah. It's, God talks about the eyeballs as a source of temptation all the time. I mean, yeah. from the beginning to the end, Genesis to Revelation. So it's no surprise. Right. So why would we act disgusted or surprised or, you know, in awe when, when if, any, if anybody should give a safe place, yeah. if people who know God's word would yeah. know that, well, of course, you're not Jesus. There's only one Jesus and you're not it. So yeah. we're all tempted. And yeah. you know, so, so, but especially when it comes to the eyeballs, I mean, the Song of Sol Proverbs, especially, there's yeah. I mean, all throughout First John, everywhere, the eyeball, yeah. the eyeball, the eyeball. So if anybody's not surprised, if anybody should be accepting of, of people that have temptations and weaknesses yeah. and yeah. orientations, even towards LGBTQ, well, we'll go there another time. Yeah. It should be the Christian. Because, yeah. you know, the, the sin that so easily besets us is yeah. what Hebrews tells us. So why would we be yeah. shocked when God is not? Yeah. Well, what I really like about what I hear you saying to pastors is you don't have to go full bore self-disclosure in order to, to, to preach invitationally and sensitively. Uh, uh, you're saying that by, by focusing on the emotion, the pain, this is what I'm hearing you say, uh, and by actually naming the behavior, getting in, getting out, uh, that's careful set, using yeah. careful words. You know, yeah, 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 right. You know, yeah, part of the book it, chapters on using words that are a little softer, like scripture says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sends a signal, a very strong signal, that you're safe to talk to, mm -hmm. and that, uh, and now people will start coming in your direction. And and when they do, you know, you better know what to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah. not. laughs> right. you know, and that's why the book, I talk about the results and reasons of all seven of those topics. Okay. You know, in terms of knowing how the lady, I, I, an example of a lady who uh, was raped. True, yeah. All the stories in my book are true. Lady was raped. Long story short, she went to her pastor that morning after she took a shower to try to feel less, you know, dirty. Yeah. Didn't tell kids, didn't tell husband, didn't tell anybody, told the pastor. So she's telling the pastor. And unfortunately, because the pastors, like most people, and haven't know what to say and what not to say, yeah. and know how these ladies feel, you know, that, um, well, you know, why didn't you call us? Why did you open the door? Why did, you know, it was uh, just the typical why questions, which yeah, we yeah. all do wrongly. Yeah. And so she's, you know, kind of like just venting the pain and the shame, yeah. the shame yeah. that she felt. But then all of a sudden, she says the magic words, which causes the pastor to go into his sermon. Mm -hmm. I just hate this man and what he did to me. I will. Oh. So she talks about how much she hated what was done to right. him. Right. And he went straight to forgiveness or something? Totally. Oh. All, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, we yeah. are told, you know, so then all of a sudden, uh. instant, you know, he got triggered to give yeah. him to what he does best, what he thinks he does best, which is preach. Yeah. Yeah, and so he gives into a soliloquy, and she she told me I never went back to that church again. Sure, I yeah. feel just as bad. I felt more bad. I felt worse after talking with my pastor than I did with what the rapist did to me, because yeah, now yeah. I feel like I'm the one guilty, and I I got raped twice. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Just to be mindful that that as you talk about and and in an invitational way to heal people's hurts. Right. You know, know, know how God can help that. Know yeah. have the timing down. Don't 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 do dumb things. Yeah, 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 yeah.
in, in terms of words you say or in terms of, um, you know, when people do come. And, and ideally, you know, have people in the church who will help you counsel. And, and I, yeah. you ought to hire people in the church who, I, I say, a minister of hurts and habits. That's my word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, so, you know, so it shouldn't fall upon you. And also, you say you protect yourself too from temptation, sure. which is a whole right. other topic. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Wow. But, um, but when I when ahead. I read, so whenever a, so if you're a pastor out there listening or a ministry leader and you're going to give a message and somehow mention about you know pornography, assume that there are people who are listening to you who were already there, whose husbands or wives are already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so don't just say don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, like I used to do about abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that same message, wherever you mention any of these topics, mm-hmm. make sure you assume that they've already done this. So, how can you bring them to full disclosure in terms of how can you help help them to heal by confessing their sin or their pain? Yeah. But but the whole thing is that just don't be duped and just tell people not to do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, but know yeah, that it's yeah. already happened already. So yeah, especially, yeah. yeah, nobody talks about women and how much they hurt because of the husband's or the yeah. part porn. They feel horrible. And the reason maybe why your honey didn't want to have people, t- you know, you disclose it because people automatically think, well, I guess maybe she's not satisfying him or maybe yeah. she's not enough for him. That's where ladies' brains go. And I have couples call me up for counseling and the man gets caught with mm-hmm. porn. Right. And all of a sudden, the whole world ends, and the right. wife is all super mad at him. And I'm talking to them, and you know, and I'm just, t- I always tell him, "Do you have any idea how hurt she feels now? How yeah. she feels like she's not enough? She yeah. feels like, like obviously something's wrong with me that you would want to go do." So they take it very deeply and very personally, and men need to see that that how much hurt you're causing your honey, you know, by by looking at other stuff. You know, scripture says that. The breast of your wife satisfy you and mm. captivate you at all times in Proverbs five nineteen. Let her breast, nobody else's, yeah. nobody else's. Let hers captivate you. The Hebrew word means to to be intoxicated. So, mm. um, so if there are ladies out there, make sure that you know your body is your husband views it as a gift and yeah. give it to him. Um, mm. His gift, his body is a gift to you, and your body is a gift to him. It's not. It's not. Nothing's dirty about it. The body is created by God. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You got double whammy value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that you don't shy away from any of these sexual topics. Uh, And I'll tell you from my again from my own personal experience, one of the great benefits to me of finding a safe uh, healing community in recovery was uh, (laughs) an awful huge lesson over time in humility. I really thought going in, I was stunned, first of all, to find out that there are all these different flavors of uh, uh, of sexual uh, uh, sin, brokenness. Uh, there, and initially, well, like when I got into meetings initially and there were guys there who uh, identified as gay or had some same-sex attraction, I panicked and and felt superior because that's never been an issue of mine. Oh, but, but over time to realize that to come to a very deep, well, well, first of all, become friends with so many of these guys and to understand their story and then to understand myself enough to know that I'm capable of any of that stuff. It was life circumstances that I wound up where I wound up. I could have done any of it. And, uh, and I think bringing that attitude to the pulpit. I think that bleeds through when we speak, that there, there's not a hint of condescension anymore. And we shouldn't, be, again, we shouldn't be surprised because Romans chapter one says that our natural orientation is to worship or orient towards the creature, toward created things, not the creator. That's what distinguishes the non-Christian from the Christian. That's what, that's the inherit, that's the nature we inherited. We're always focused on the created things or another creature, whether it be male or female, does it really matter to God? So, right, right, right. So if, when, when we really have Romans 1 and we know that, well, of course, this doesn't surprise me because <laughs> <laughs> it surprises me because 
that's the natural orientation is to have people try to meet that need. And, you know, you mentioned um, the LGBTQ. If, yeah. if I, uh, can I share one story that kind of. Sure, please do. Yeah. So when I was working on the book and you know, I decided to do all seven topics and I only signed up for one originally. <laughs> so I interviewed a lot of people, you know, before yeah. I wrote the book and I've been counseling people for now for 40 years, 40 years about this. Wow. But one gentleman, um, he was working with, with LGBTQ men, homosexual men, uh, back in Maryland. And he was actually having a ministry to them. And, and I would ask them, I said, so talk to me, you know, tell me your story. And he said, you know, I'll just be honest with you. I came, came from a, a family where there wasn't a whole bunch of affection. You yeah. know, they were mean, but they weren't tender. Yeah. And so I, I never, they, I don't remember getting hugged by my mom or dad. That just wasn't what they do. They weren't wired that way. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a bunch of rules and, you know, it's still firm, but, but, you know, just no physical, you know, expression. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had a family reunion, you know, some big family shindig, you know, and um, I remember uh, my uncle gave me a big hug mm-hmm. and he said, Sam, that's the first time in my life I remember being hugged. Yeah. yeah. And it felt so good. Yeah. Yeah. So I then grew up. Now, it turned out, unfortunately, that that uncle had ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. All he knew was that he spent the rest of his life looking for the same feeling of, of being loved and hugged. And he yeah. did that with the hug of a man. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, sure. So, and that's, that was his story. And then he realized that, that you know, there's boundaries and that boundary is off. But his he wasn't some militant, you know, right. He just was looking for the same feeling of being hugged again and, and having that unbelievable release and, and and joy and exhilaration that he felt when he was hugged for the first time by a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so do you think, I, I, I sometimes say that I, I regret that I spent so many years doing irrational things for non-rational reasons, trying to solve the problem by rational means. Do you really think that most of what or of what we wind up doing, we actually we're driven more by emotion than anything else? Well, pleasure. You know, Mm -hmm. we we have a nature that is, you know, gratification is. You know, that's our Roman seven. That's our nature. So we go towards that which uh, pleasure or pain. You know, we want Mm -hmm. to avoid pain. And I know another lady in the book who. You know, she would watch her dad, you know, beat up her mom um, when he was drinking too much. Uh, do you think she ever wanted to be with a man again? No. Right. right. She, sure. she was in a lesbian lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, she, no man will ever do to me what my dad did to my mom. Sure. So, right. and some, so sometimes it's the avoidance of pain and sometimes yeah. it's the pursuit of pleasure. A little right. bit of both. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. A little uh-huh. bit of both. Yeah. Uh, dictates a lot of what we do. And again, we just try to find our joy in creating, when I say creating things, that can mean, that can mean your children, mm-hmm. even your God, your children. It could be mm-hmm. your job, it could be your, your car, it could be your house. <laughs> There's a ton of creative things that, that can be quite addictive. Yes, sure. The of the Lord. So again, yeah. I'm not surprised at anything because mm-hmm. that's the nature that we've inherited and that's God wants to transform that nature. Yeah, the yeah, temptation yeah. is anything can be addictive. It's it's of course I'm not surprised yeah. at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, remind uh, we're coming to the end of our time. Remind our listeners of how best they can reach you uh, and find out more about what you do. Make contact. Well, thank you. Uh, I have a book called Sensitive Preaching uh, to the Sexually Hurting, and that's on Google and Amazon and. Um, it was it was awarded the best ministry book of the year. It was very mm-hmm. kind. They said that every pastor should add this book to their library. And then mm-hmm. someone else said every Christian counselor should have this book. They need to know. Yeah, about all sure. the, so the book is one way. But then I, my main way is that I have a website called HealingSexualHurt.com. And it's written in a non-churchy way. Mm-hmm. So that people browse on the internet, maybe for very different reasons. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh find me and 
and I get and people can write to me through there. You know, my, okay. my email address is dr. Dr. Sam Sirio, S-E-R-I-O at gmail.com. But the website is a good way to kind of uh, do a lot of uh, just saying, wow, wow, like, you know, God really can help me. He can he can transform my habits and heal my hurts. There's nothing too big for him. And that's mm-hmm. that verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do abundantly above all that you could ever ask or imagine, that there's no hurt or habit that's too deep or too dark for God to fix. Mm. You can do anything. Mm. Well, we've been talking with Dr. Sam Sirio. Uh, Dr. Sam, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us. Uh, I have really enjoyed it and look forward to uh, continuing the conversation on down the road. Let's do this again. All right. Okay. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. All right, we are back with the Pirate Monk Podcast. It is Pablito and Rob once again. Um, we just heard an, a really powerful interview, Sam Sirio, and uh, uh, interviewed by our our own Nate Larkin. And um, yeah, Rob, I mean, a lot came up for me, but I'm really interested to hear um, any takeaway that just comes comes to your heart and mind uh, from that interview. Yeah, I'll get us started, but I, I know this one hit you in a very soft spot. I I love the beginning and his approach, and I, I find I find his experience as a preacher, a Bible student, to be so true to what I experienced growing up, and even as an adult. You know, he he mentioned I started on stage telling everybody what not to do, and then it was quickly after you know, a few, um, I think episodes or a few sessions of telling women what not to do. He finally spent time listening to them, um, only to realize that he was completely missing the boat, uh, and leaving out grace. And I, I think the real key there, and this is, this is true for me in my own journey of, of recovery is he had to set down what he thought to be true he had to set aside dogmatism in his life. And I so relate to that. I thought I knew everything. I thought I knew the right answers, yeah. uh, but was clinging to this idea of dogmatism. And he set it down and he had to get curious. He had to be right. willing to listen. He had to be willing to humble himself to understand the impact he was having. And of course, that became uh, a, just a completely different course of direction for him, his ministry, his writings his teaching, uh, his message. And I, I love where he's ended up. Um, and for me, that relates so well because once I finally right hit rock bottom and was in a spot of humility, my heart was in a position of humility. Um, that's where the real turn came for me as well. So I, I related to that right from the beginning. Absolutely. I, I love that. I love that um, you brought up that dogmatism um, reality and just what I consider the false security of certainty uh, or the, yeah, the false sense of security. And, 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 and for me, even uh, I would throw in rigidity, you know, and, and all of those lend to, in my experience and, uh, and why this episode um, hit so close to home. Like you said, the soft spot was, um, because I, I love what he said about putting people above maybe uh, a, an ideology or or above even a belief system. People, and that's what God does, right? That's what the the, the heart of the Father does. And so um, I really love where he landed there. I love that he listened to the people that um, were giving him feedback on their story, yeah. their experiences yes. after he would talk to them um, using... Uh, you know what? What he said: uh, gut or guilt, gore, and God. <laughs> and and I, and I and I went went to a church uh, for many years that would. Um, I I, it, I had to do. I finally had to do. Um, I was able to do a, a, the smell test, if you will, to determine that uh, through a long 
heart-wrenching um and and you were part of that journey and other brothers were part of that journey of really like curiosity and a, a, a journey of what is really important and, and people are important and that there is sometimes there was shame that was used and sometimes there was i don't want to say coercion but like um yeah uh, shame and fear are powerful motivators and a lot of preachers can use those uh, people can use those in general um and at any rate i love that he wanted to reach people and that's and even when he was asked by nate you know how do we address these topics he meant he just shared we're trying to help people we want to minister to people that's god's heart um and, and so as you know what i'm referring to was i after over 20 years not just at my church but a, a leader involved in my church technically an ordained minister i was at my church uh serving in all kinds of different capacities and it was a difficult journey for me to make a transition out it was not one that was welcomed or celebrated and mm -hmm. there was a lot of fear and there was um yeah mostly just a, a fear of i'm leaving people that i have made a commitment to and i am leaving my community my my church community my church family and i had to land in that place that the people and i am a people right god put places people above just the the um the rigidity of um even truth if you will um and and there's a mystery to it i like that curiosity that you refer to uh, there's a tension sometimes there's a mystery of the gospel and um and i'm you know i'm several months out of that journey uh about nine months or so in in a new house of worship and i'm just feeling life come back to me and it's because of uh, leaders that are speaking into my life that are similar to, to what sam serio said in this interview of that are have sensitive preaching that are uh, aware that people have uh, a story and that they're in trauma informed ministry is 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 definitely much more present um, than it has been in my life in the past and so i'm grateful for individuals like like uh like this this man and um other people who are putting people in the heart of god you know above uh, maybe how they can control somebody or um uh, just the fear or the um anyway you get what i'm saying there, there's they're putting they're putting their priorities in the right place and, and i love that yes i love that and by the way thanks for sharing your journey i just i, I you uh, me and others got a chance to walk with each other through that and i know that that experience was hard and yet at the same time i've i've just got to see the life giving the life giving that you've received from the change in uh, a new house of worship. So I'm super grateful for that. I, I wonder, you know, and I, and I love the work that Sam is doing. And so for those that were listening today, there's so many good organizations or individuals that are trying to come alongside churches to inform them of a different way. Right. I think about uh, Sam Black and Covenant Eyes and, and his book, The Healing Church. I think about Sam Serio's work. Um, there's so much work to do in this area, isn't there? Um, oh, Absolutely. And at the same time, when I do hear churches starting to get it right, um, I just I just listened to a series uh, on essentially the sex talk from one of my old churches online and and they did a they did a decent job um, without bringing condemnation, but at the same time, it felt like there was some depth, some realness that was missing from the conversation of what like what is likely 70 percent of of those in the audience struggling with some form of of sexual temptation, sexual acting out, men and women, um, men and women, and so. I, you know, I still, and part of it is because you and I and, and every, every one of our listeners have been through a, a journey of, of not only facing into our behavior, but then talking about it in safe places. I still feel like there's a depth that's missing from the discussion. It doesn't take anything away from the progress that, uh, that Sam Serio is making and others, but at the same time, um, 
I'm really excited to see those doors getting opened so that the conversations uh, can become safer and go deeper to continue to get to the heart of, of what's really driving the behavior. And so I don't know. I just, I'm so proud. I'm so um, feeling so grateful for Sam's work. Um, and at the same time, I feel like it's also just the beginning. How about you? Absolutely. You know, you, your, your share right now reminded me of before I found Samson society, I was part of uh, another organization. Um, and I went to a, a retreat with that recovery based organization. And, um, there was a guest, the guest speaker, if you will, the, uh, was sharing about his journey as a pastor, a lead pastor and how, um, he had like what he considered a, uh, uh, emotional breakdown. Uh, I think he's what he called it. And he just, he told this story about how he took a sabbatical from his church. First he tried to resign and then he, they said, no, we don't want you to resign. We want you to take a sabbatical. And he took a sabbatical and he came back a few months and he had told him beforehand, well, I'm probably just going to take a sabbatical and then give you my letter of resignation. But when he was during on, on his sabbatical, he wanted to honor that time and, and rest and, and study. And he, he wanted to find out what, the, what is the role of this thing called the church that God has ordained in the, in the world and from his heart? And he did study in scripture and he dove deep into his own journey. And, and that when the, when their sabbatical was over, he went to the board of uh, directors and he said, well, I have good news and I have bad news. Um, the good news is I'm not resigning. I'm staying in the ministry. The bad news is I need to go to a church in another part of town or, uh, you know, far enough away to be integrous. And they said, well, why do you have to do that? He said, because what in my study thing, the church is so different than the way we've been doing things according to God's word and God's you know heart. I can't possibly put this on you, this big difference than the way I've been leading this church. And they said, no, 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 we're with you. We're with you. Do that here. Do that here. And so make a long story short, he ended up coming back at that church at their request. And um, in the first time, First time he comes back as a time to give a message, he's wearing nothing but a hospital gown. And he <laughs> steps into the pulpit and he just says, The church is supposed to be a hospital and we are the patients. We're not better than somebody else. You know, we're not a country club. He said, Think about the hospital gown experience. When you first put one on, you know, you're making sure every single area is tugged tight and covering everything. But they they poke and they prod in places you didn't even know existed, and you stop caring after a little while, and you just let it hang out. You just you just want to get better. You know what I mean? You're not trying to you're not you know trying to worry about your image or or how any how you feel. You just want to get better. And he says that's what the church is supposed to be. And he wrote a book about it, and I I forget the name, but I know it has to do with the church being a hospital. Um, and I remember that, and 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 it's just it, it rings true to this to this day. I really feel like, um, you know, like Sam was saying, you know, that the world a lot of times knows the problem but doesn't know the answer, and and the church, we know that who the answer is, but we would do a better we we could we would do better by connecting with uh, the human dilemma and, and what's going on in people's stories, and and I know. Um, that would take us a long way. So, yeah. Yeah. By the way, thank you for sharing that. And by the way, what I was hoping the story of this guy showing up on stage with a gown, I was hoping it would take a turn for him accidentally turning around and somehow bending over um, in front of his congregation. Cause that would have been <laughs> an amazing way to conclude that story. But um, yeah, Paul you left that part out. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's only when he's a guest speaker at other churches. I don't think he does <laughs> yeah, that at his home exactly. church. <laughs> what a shock effect. I love I it. I love it. Good stuff, man. Well, you know, thank you so much for sharing all that. Anything else uh, in closing you wanted to share? No, thank you for hosting. Hey, real quick, I know we, we on our intro, we talked about um, being here in person together. You're an amazing um, individual, an amazing friend. Um, 
an amazing host. And I just want to tell you, thank you for opening your life to me for so many years now and also opening your home now for the next last 36 hours. It's been great. Absolutely. Well, thanks for saying that. It's uh, an honor um, to have you. And uh, if anyone else wants to come visit and have some, uh, you know, we started in person uh, Samson meeting here on Monday nights, Monday night live. If anyone's in the Whittier area uh, in uh, on a Monday at 7 p.m. Um, and you got to meet one of the at the parade today. Uh, that was cool. That was, uh, I believe, God ordained to, to yeah. meet one of the brothers who um, is part of our Monday Night Live. And um, so I'm excited. I, I think that was one of the things that my reminder takeaways, if you will, uh, at the retreat uh, in uh, Van, Texas was, you know, I love the virtual. I've been doing the virtual meetings since 2018 and um, ramped them up even more in 2020, of course, when I was like so many people just behind my computer every day and wasn't really, a, you know, the stay-at-home orders and all that. And I just needed more connection. But um, I love being able to rub shoulders um, with you, Rob, and with with my with brothers. It's just there's something special about um, hearing brothers chew and uh, what watching their reaction when I duck under doorways and I don't you know just the, just the real life that there is um, and even more depth. And I love just every time. We could be eating a burrito, which we did twice in the last uh, day, uh, a breakfast one and a dinner one, and we can still find some absolute deep, meaningful, really life-altering. I mean, even just some of your vocabulary um, and just uh, your, your choice of words and describing and your perception, um, we rub off on each other, right? I mean, I know you rub off on me, and I'll take, I believe that I rub off on you, right? It's just, it's yeah. powerful. So yeah. I guess... Um, yeah, thank you for for driving all the way down and and just I guess our message is brothers get together, hug a neck, be with each other, don't isolate. Let's um, you know what? Sometimes I hear it in meetings a lot. We're going back to like the church um, uh, example, and I think in, in a lot of different ways we are an example of the church in the Samson society. You know, we are a company of Christian men. And we're guys that are just trying to do life real and and we want God in the center, right? Um, and, and and however that looks and, and our understanding of him. And and so that's what we're doing. So thank you so much for being here. Love you, brother. And um, let's sound off. Let's do it. I forgot what our sound off is, but <laughs> love you all. We'll see you next time on The Pirate The Pirate Monk Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com. <laughs>